This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. We've got a returning expert joining us. Yeah, our expert investors can't keep away from the show. So <laughs> good to have this guest returning because I think it's at a sort of critical time. You know, we started 2020, interest rates are really low at the moment. Potentially getting lower. Potentially getting lower. And, you know, keeping your hard earned cash in the bank is returning next to nothing. Yeah. So, you know, in some instances, just like my housemate, I think it's giving him 0.05%, which is less than inflation. So it's actually losing money sitting it in there. So I guess, Ren, what does that mean in terms of how do we find yield as an investor? Having said that, markets are at all-time highs at the moment. Sentiment is to be cautious. So I guess as a beginner investor, it can be a bit difficult to know where to put your money at times like this, which is why today we are joined by Daniel Foggo from Ratesetter. Daniel, thanks for uh, joining us on the show. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to join you again. So, Dan is here today to give us a bit of a brief on Ratesetter, explain to us what they offer and how Ratesetter might be a good option for our cash rent. We have had Dan on the show before, but you know the environment has changed since we both spoke to him last, and uh, we wanted to sort of catch up with him to get an understanding of where Ratesetter is now at, and I guess the options that it gives investors for their cash. So looking forward to getting stuck in. Yeah, we've named Ratesetter a lot of times. There's probably listeners out there wondering what Ratesetter is. So we might kick off, Dan. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and then a bit about Ratesetter as well? Sure. Look, very simply, I'm a, I guess, best described as a reformed banker. I used to work in corporate finance and initially in the UK and then latterly in, in Australia. And part of my role was to actually lend money to corporates. We did that in the way where actually the bank was losing money. The corporate wasn't actually getting a great deal. And that's when I thought really that model is not necessarily working so well when you know people are getting very low returns on their money in the bank. When they're borrowing, they're often paying high fees and reasonably high rates. And so that set me on a course to look for an alternative. And through that journey, we created Ratesetter. 
So I guess that leads to the the main question. For those that uh, haven't listened to our previous episode and, and are new to the show, firstly, welcome and thank you for joining us. But what is Ratesetter? So we describe ourselves as Australia's leading technology-led investment and lending platform. So there's really two components to our business. First, we lend money to people and we lend money to creditworthy borrowers who are borrowing for a personal loan, renewable energy loan or an automotive loan. We are one of the largest players in each of those markets in Australia, although only launched our business five years ago. So growing very quickly, and that's just really as the world's becoming more technology focused, we can offer a really good fast solution to our customers. Then on on the other side of the equation, we have a very broad set of investors funding the loans, the money we deploy to our borrowers. We have 20,000 investors funding our loans. So we in many ways see ourselves as an investment manager. It just so happens that we put money only into consumer credit. So I guess for people who are trying to conceptualize it, it's two-sided marketplace. You bring together both lenders and borrowers and you do it, you use technology to do it in a way that's more efficient than your traditional banks. And so you can give better interest rates to both lenders and borrowers. Is that? Would you like a job at Ratesetter? <laughs> because I think that was a much better description than I gave. That's absolutely right. That is a very good description. The objective, of course, is to use technology to pass on really good value to our customers. Investors earn much higher returns than they might through a bank, although it's a different offering. It's not risk-free. We can talk about that a little bit, but we think it provides a nice middle ground between you know cash and bank and the equities market or property market. And similarly for our borrowers, they can save money as well. Well, so over the life of Ratesetter, you know, our investors have made about $40 million more than if they had their money in the bank account and they've received every amount of interest and principal due to them. And our borrowers have saved about $40 million versus if they'd gone to, say, a big four player to borrow money. Wow. So I guess before we get into the detail of Ratesetter, it would be good to understand a bit about the journey because you're being very modest there, but you are Ratesetter one Australian fintech of the year uh, in 2016. You yourself won Australian Fintech Entrepreneur of the Year in 2017. So this is your chance to uh, have a bit of a humble brag and tell us about the journey and you know where you are now. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I guess where a brag might be is I think we were pretty early to see when we launched or when we were speaking to the regulator before we launched, the term fintech was just not even heard of. That was back in 2012. We really broke down a lot of barriers in terms of engagement with regulators. We got a license to allow retail investors to invest in loans that we're funding. And, you know, we launched in, in late 2014 after two years of dealing with regulators and getting set up to operate our business as the first business that was actually had a license that allowed people to invest to fund a very established asset class, but in a new way. So during that time, over the last just over five years since we initially launched to customers, we've grown significantly. We've funded an aggregate just under $750 million of loans. On a monthly basis, we're funding over $30 million a month, growing quickly. So we've really see a lot of opportunity going forward and in terms of both growth and delivering value to our customers. So we'd like to think we're a a reasonably relevant part of the financial system and and have a lot of good growth potential going forward. So some of that growth is coming from Ren. He's actually, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's he's actually yeah. he, he is uh, a user of Ratesetter from the investor side, unless you've taken out a loan for the car that you've Just wanted to buy. Just the investor side, yeah. <laughs> the investor side. I was chatting to my housemates about it last night, in fact, because as we said at the start of the show, they've realized how little return they're getting on the money sitting in their bank. And you mentioned, Dan, there that uh, you've now got some 20,000 retail investors on board or thereabouts. What is it, do you think, 
really appeals to investors? What, what's RateSetter offering that is making it attractive? You nailed it when you in- introduced this discussion. And that's really, we're in a low rate environment. And that's not a critical component of our business model, but it's certainly helpful in terms of building awareness and people um, starting to invest with us. I think the next component is, you know, what is the yield difference? You can invest with us in, in what we call our five-year lending market. And the return today is about 7% on an annual basis. That's an attractive return, we believe, for the risk that one's actually taking on. We provision an amount of money when somebody borrows from us to cover any late payments and defaults. So when you invest with us, you do benefit from what we call our provision fund. That means that there's a a sort of a buffer there for any late payments and, and defaults. And the good news is every one of our investors has received every amount of interest and principal due to them because of our provision fund. We're very diligent around who we lend to. We only lend to about 10 or 15% of people who come and apply for a loan with us. That means that, you know, over the five years of our lending, our loss rate is below 2% of borrowers that have actually defaulted on loans. But our provision fund has covered all of those losses. And it's still got, you know, a provision fund buffer still about $16.5 million, which is around 6% of our, uh, the rates of the lending platform loan book. So the way we'd characterize it is it's a modest level of risk for a really meaningfully higher return than what you might be able to get from a bank account and meets that need where someone's looking to put cash for say one to five, uh, sorry, one month to five years. We allow people to invest for those terms and it helps people in that time when, well, they could be just wanting somewhere convenient to have cash for a while, where they're going to get a return, they might be saving up for a house, saving up for a deposit. And so it's somewhere worth, you know, if you're going to purchase something in the next few years, you've got that money available to you when you need it. And then also, um, as I said earlier, you know, Australians tend to be quite short on fixed income investments, tend to be very long in, in the stock market, long in property, and we provide diversity, you know, give people exposure to what is actually a very large asset class in Australia traditionally only been able to be accessed by banks and some other institutions, but it is a fantastic investment from a credit perspective or not through the cycle perspective. If we look at the last financial crisis, consumer credit performed especially well, particularly in the US and the UK where the recessions were particularly deep. So we know it's a good asset class. It's typically been hard to access. We give people that access, we give them a good yield, and we give them that additional protection through the provision fund. So I think people would hear 7% and be surprised. And, you know, if you compare it to interest rates at the moment, it, it is it is different. So maybe can you explain why people are able to get 7% here and how it, it, it is it correlated to, um, you know, the Reserve Bank's interest rate and banks' interest rates? Sure. I think if you take a step back and think around how consumer finance works through an alternative model, if you look at a bank, um, they take deposits, they pay between 0.05% in terms of return to the saver, up to, you know, two point. 5% or thereabouts for some of the high high rate accounts. But then they lend that money f- to consumers wanting a personal loan at traditionally around a 15 or 16% interest rate comparison rate. There's a lot of spread there between that deposit rate and the borrowing rate. So, um, and part of that's because there's actually quite significant overheads and there might be branch networks and other things where you've got to cover that cost base. So through the use of technology, we're able to take out a lot of those costs. We're able to give the borrower a slightly better rate than what they might have otherwise been able to receive. And when I say slightly, on average for us, that's three or four percent. So actually quite a material amount of money over time. And then, you know, so when by the time we've provisioned for losses and make some money ourselves as a business, we can still offer the investor a really good return. 
I've probably slightly mischaracterized that because when I say we offer the investor a return, we actually let the investors set their own rates. So if investors set rates, as I said, in our five-year market today at about 7%, we'll get X amount of demand from borrowers. As soon as if that demand is really strong from borrowers, that might actually force the rates up for investors slightly until more investors put more money on. So it's quite a good equilibrium mechanism. I think that's worth expanding on a bit because, uh, as Bryce said, I am a user of the platform Mm. and being able to set your own interest rate is quite unique. So can you just expand on how that works for the two-sided marketplace? Sure. Um, I think the best way to describe it is if one's familiar with a stock market, it's no, not dissimilar to that. It's just you as the investor, you're basically the one who's got money on offer. So let's use that five-year market example again. If you put money on it, 7%, 7%, basically we can then be, we'll, if, if the lowest lending order is for seven at 7%, we'll be marketing loans to borrowers at 7% plus any fees and charges. So call it, you know, 10% to the borrower. And so we're able to create significant demand on the back of that as the borrower goes through their application process. They're then approved. They go to draw down their loan. And your, if you have the lowest lending order at 7%, your funds will be the next match to the next borrower that comes through. Probably haven't described that so succinctly. No, no, it's, it makes sense. And it, it gives the power to, you know, me as the user, I can say I need to earn, you know, 8% of my money and I can put it in rate setter. And if I can't get 8% matched, then I can walk away without putting money in. It's a, it's a unique proposition. That's exactly right. And of course, we notify people if their money's been sitting on market without getting matched for so long. And we give a lot of data so that one, A, understands the credit characteristics of what they're investing in. They also understand exactly how much demand there is from borrowers at that particular amount of, at that particular time. So it gives one certainty and actually what the rates have been historically. So if you log on, you see the rate at 7% at the moment. The last match loan was at 7%. You know if you put your money on at 7% or 7.1, you'll probably get your um, you know, your investment in the next 24 hours funded. Yeah, it's, uh, it changes the paradigm from a bank telling you this is what you're going to take and you're going to be happy about it. That's right. It's a really about empowerment and giving people control, giving them a lot of transparency around information. And, you know, w- you know, financial services is all about trust. So our journey to date has been about building that trust with our investors, making sure we've got a good track record, lending to the right sorts of customers, and then proving that up to our investors. So every quarter we release our loan book. We know that we, people know how much money is in our provision fund at any point in time. Every year that we're lending, we explain how much we expect loss, what loss rates should be, what they actually come in at. So, you know, the way to build trust if you haven't been in business for over a hundred years is really about transparency of information. So if we jump back to the basics of, um, what happens when I invest in rates that I guess one of the traditional reasons people put money into term deposits and such was to get a, a form of fixed income. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm investing in the five-year term, how does Ratesetter provide a, a form of fixed income for the investor? So if you're funding in the five-year lending market, you'll be funding a borrower who is borrowing for a five-year term. Every month that borrower will make a repayment and that repayment will be part interest and part principal. So every month you'll get a proportion of your principal amount back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Along with some interest, we then give you a lot of flexibility so that actually you can automatically reinvest the whole amount that you receive back every month. Or you might just want to invest the principal amount and withdraw the interest into your own bank account. We also give people early access. So if you invest in the five-year market, you actually can access your money early. There's a bit of criteria around that. We need to make sure there's enough money on market to fund new borrowers as they come through. But generally, all of our investors have been able to get their money out of the five-year market if they have wanted to. So we added that, you might call a liquidity feature, about 18 months ago. I'd be interested, Ren, what term have you gone? I think I've done five because I always think I need the money before then. I think I, <laughs> I think the bulk of it's in three. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. People often go on a journey with us. They start, we let people invest from $10 and I think that's been really important. We're looking to democratize finance, make it accessible to, to every Australian. And so, you know, it's important people can access an investment that without having a huge savings pool or, or investment pool. But what we do find is people then often start investing more money over time. They start investing in longer term markets. And actually, if you do the math on the five year lending market, you know, if you were to pay, we do charge people, uh, I think it's a half percent fee to withdraw their money, one percent fee to withdraw their money or thereabouts. Check the uh, PDS. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's only so many months of interest. It's a cut, like, I think it's two, two and a half months of interest on average for you to actually recoup that. So if you think you're going to be investing for more than, you know, six months, it's, you know, it can be a sensible option. There you go. I might have to get the calculator out and figure it out after this. I think <laughs> Yeah. Why do you think fixed income is important for a beginner investor in this market conditions at the moment? Look, I think fixed income, if you look at a, a household investment portfolio in, in the US and other markets, there's there's generally a significant proportion of fixed income investment. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's in the realm of sort of 20%. If you look at the average Australian household, that's not the case. It's less accessible here. Why is it important? I think it really comes back to the basics of financial theory. If people are familiar with the CAPM models around you know, maximizing your risk reward or your reward based on a certain amount of risk. I'm going to say we're not familiar with okay. it. So <laughs> maybe if you can unpack that a little yeah. bit for us. <laughs> uh, look, quite simply, it comes down to you know if you have a, a, a very broad portfolio, you can reduce the volatility of your returns. And if you can reduce volatility and increase your average return, then I think that's a, that's the combination one should be looking for. Low volatility, good returns. If you think about, if we go through some specific investments like a stock market, they can offer high returns on average over the longer term, but within a certain time frame of call it one year or three years, there's less certainty as to what that return will be. And actually there's a probability that you may lose a significant amount of capital. With fixed income, you know, one expects that there's low volatility in the return, particularly in the way we've structured our business. And it's a healthy fixed income amount you're getting back every month. So it's a way to hit that optimum curve in terms of your return versus your volatility. So there's a number of fixed income 
products out there. How do you think about rate setter in the fixed income world and how should you know everyday investors like Bryce and I think about it in terms of where it fits in our portfolio? Yeah, I think it's quite hard for you know most people to actually access various fixed income products. You often need a financial advisor. They're often really built for sophisticated investors, quite hard to understand, and often reasonable fees attached to actually accessing those products. Um, what we've tried to do is provide an alternative, which is quite simple, easy to access, understandable. And so, you know, there's not a, a real uh, something I can contrast it with in the fixed income world. One can get ETS, which might give some sort of exposure to some fixed income products, or, you know, accessing something like government bonds and so on, or corporate bonds in Australia can be quite difficult for, you know, retail investors. So really, I, I think the comparison is more with, you know, be it stocks, be it cash in your bank account or, you know, property investment, for example. When we survey our, our investors, and we did do a survey last year, we found 70% of people that were investing with us had actually taken their money out of a bank account. It was about 10 or 15% had taken their money out of stocks. So that's really where we think of where one might be moving money from. It's not, you know, another fixed income investment that people had other than a, and a bank account. Yeah, I think, I think that's really important because when you read, well, at least when I read financial media when I was starting out as an investor, bonds are another asset class that are spoken about in the same way as everything else, but they're inaccessible for most people. ETFs sometimes give them a nice wrapper, but in terms of actual accessible fixed income products, there, there isn't that many available to us. And I think that's probably what attracted me to Ratesetter in the first place. Mm. Yeah, One of the key differences with Ratesetter as well is the provision fund, which you mentioned earlier. And I think, you know, if you're you're starting out as the inv- an investor and you've got 2000 that you've spent a long time saving and you you might think it's quite risky to go and lend that to someone on the other side that you have no idea what they're going to do with it or their ability to repay. Can you explain, I guess, in a bit more detail how the provision fund can protect an investor? Sure. So we've had over 40,000 borrowers to date, and every one of those borrowers has paid some money into the provision fund, either through an upfront fee or part of their interest rate or a combination of each. So that's money if they repay their loan, that stays in the provision fund. They never get that money back. It's part of a fee or a charge attached to their loan. So over time, of course, the provision fund keeps building up through those borrower payments going into it. So it sits in a bank account. It's held separate to our business. It's held by Perpetual as a trustee company. We have an ability to, if there's a late payment or default, make a claim on that provision fund on behalf of investors. So to date, every borrower late payment and default has been covered by the provision fund. So no investors had to receive an email from us saying, sorry, you're not going to get your money today as you expected and that per the schedule we'd provided you, you with previously. So I think for investors, it's really important that they, well, we, we know it's important to investors that they understand how credit's performing, how much money is in that provision fund, and it really gives them a sense of what the actual risk is in investing with us. It's about you know 160% of expected losses and we have a reasonably conservative estimate of lot what losses are going forward. So we consider that a really good buffer to protect our investors. Even you know, we feel like we're really well prepared on a through the cycle basis to continue to give investors what they expect. So that's even in a you know deep, reasonably dark economic scenario like the financial crisis. And um, we think we're in a good position to maintain that track record. Can you explain the um, that last a little bit more around performing through the cycle? Because I guess when you think about, you know, a provision fund existing and you think about, you know, economic times have been pretty good and unemployment's relatively mm. low, why do you think that it will continue to perform well if, you know, we hit a recession or equity markets fall and things aren't as 
bright as they've been of late? I think the first thing to say is that we only lend to creditworthy borrowers. So, you know, and I sort of, it's reflected by the loss rate we've experienced to date. You know, we're often lending for really good purposes like, you know, solar panels and batteries where the customer's actually saving money. So that's a a good position to be in when you're actually repaying a loan. You know, some of our loans or a number of our loans are secured. They're not just unsecured loans. So the first port of call there is really around the risk profile of our customers. The second is that actually most of our loans are relatively short term. The average term is about 34 months, so under three years. People do repay early. So actually, even if you are in in a tougher economic situation, those repayments often come in faster because actually people are quite sensible and try to get out of debt sooner if it's a tougher economics situation. Whereas if it was a longer term debt instrument, if you like, that's a slightly riskier proposition. Our debt does pay down quite quickly. Then thirdly, I think we've got very good capabilities in-house around credit, making sure we are provisioning appropriately so that there is enough money in that provision fund on a through-the-cycle basis. Our head of credit, Simon Cordell, used to run the consumer component and then the business component of Amex in Australia had a good visibility of what happened in a recession in the UK and the US when he was at Amex, where we can also lean on a lot of credit data from Ratesetter, a sort of sister company, if you like, in the UK, where they've had over 700,000 borrowers, been through different economic environments to what we have been here. So we actually feel like we're one of the most capable credit businesses in the country in terms of pricing credit risk and making sure we are able to maintain that track record through the cycle. We will offer our borrowers have very granular risk pricing. We provision different amounts depending on the risk of the actual borrowers we're lending to. We have about 16 different risk buckets for our borrowers for personal loans. I think that's the most granular pricing in Australia. And, you know, if one wants to get sort of nerdy around all the numbers, you know, the rank order from day one when we started on each of those risk categories has fallen in the right order. You know, our models keep proving up. We've now got five years of our own data and that's performing in line with expectations. So we think we're doing a good job there. So we can get a, a good level of comfort. If Bryce ever applies for a loan, you're going to need a 17th risk bucket. <laughs> ultra high risk. Right. <laughs> My and, cash flow is as safe as ours is. <laughs> it's worth adding also when we lend to people, the processes that we go through are actually not dissimilar to a, a bank. And, you know, we go through the same verification exercise around what one's earning, what one's expenses are, you know, the f- sort of financial balance sheet, if you like, of the customer. We verify ID, all of those sorts of things we do, but we just do it really fast and efficiently through the use of technology. And that means that we can turn things around quickly and give a good experience to that borrower. Dan, I used to work in a bank as a teller while I was at uni and the majority of the customers that came in were quite old who were using term deposits. You know, they were retirees, kept, um, you know, ticking it over. Very rare, rarely did I see a millennial come in and put down a term deposit, probably because we we're at uni so and had no money. Invested but, um, in Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, what is the sort of customer base of rates that it look like? Do you have many millennials on board? Very good question. Actually, what surprises most people is that our average borrower is actually older than our average investor. So average borrower is 41, our average investor is 38. That does mask a few things. You know, our our investor mix, we have a lot of millennial um, and relatively young investors, but actually the people who often invest a lot more money, as you might expect, sort of pre-retirees or retirees, and sometimes investing via the SMSFs. 
you know, our average investment on the platform is about $20,000. That skews a really significant range from a lot of people with relatively small amounts through to some people with many, you know, over a million dollars of investment on the platform. We also have some institutional investors, you know, the government's funding via the Clean Energy Finance Corporation, our renewable energy loans. We have a superannuation fund funding some of our loans. We have a number of banks investing alongside our retail investors into some loans. We have some fixed income funds. So there's a, there's a broad range of investors. For our borrowers, um, you know, we lend for many different purposes. The average, you know, income of our borrowers is about $84,000. The average age, as I said, is 41. The reasons people borrow are very diverse, but regular loan purposes or common loan purposes would include, you know, home improvement, buying a car, debt consolidation to save some money, tidying up your finances before you go and do a mortgage application or something like that, for example. We lend for cover some fees in some instances. And we think that's important having a really diverse range of borrowers so that, you know, you've got a, 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 lower risk loan book. And so just to be clear, you mentioned there that the average investing amount was 20000 but yes. you can start with uh, as little as 10 bucks. You can start with $10, $10 and we often pe- see people start with $10 or $100 and then we might find after a few months or after a month it's 1000 and it builds up from there. So we typically see over a two-year period people will build up their exposure once they decide exactly where they want to be investing and they build comfort with our model and they see their interest in principle coming back every month. There's a wide range of people on the platform and we sort of we understand why you know the people with ten dollars to a thousand dollars investing in this you know this is a an easily accessible fixed income option for people it's interesting that people with you know a million dollars plus on the platform are still choosing this as their fixed income allocation why do you think they're staying with the platform I think it really goes back to that sort of portfolio theory and making sure you've got diversity. And I think it, what, what really differs between the maybe younger people investing for a relatively short period of time is, is the term that they're investing for. And I think we've set up our business to cover both sets of needs. There's that you can invest in our one month market or three year market relatively short term. You, you've, you get access to your money after a month in the one month market. And so, you know, that generally suits younger people, but the return is lower. And then the five year investment market with a return of around 7% is obviously attractive to people who are really looking for yield. Investing for a longer period of time, we often say, you know, in investing it for up to five years, but what we do know is a lot of our investors invest in the five-year market, keep reinvesting the full amount of their capital and interest every month, just really trying to build a nest egg. For a millennial who's looking to save for a house deposit, mm. I don't know if you're going to be honest about this, but is this something, <laughs> something that uh, you would recommend they use as a way to sort of build their wealth to do so? I think it makes a lot of sense as part of a diversified portfolio to have an investment with us. I think it's important to point out we're not a bank. One's not covered by the financial claims scheme. So one should certainly look at our data very closely, get comfort with our model, with our credit expertise. But, you know, from where I sit, I, of course, am of the view that actually if one is saving for a deposit or investing for a deposit, our offering is is a sensible place to have part of your portfolio. And so just to be clear on that, let's just take a practical example. I get paid monthly Mm. or or even fortnightly, for example, and I want to be putting, you know, 20% of my pay towards a saving rather than putting it into the bank every fortnight i can actually just put it into a one month term with rate setter that's exactly right and what we do find is you know you get different repayments at different times from borrowers you end up investing in loans with 
you know, literally hundreds of borrowers over time. So you get a really good diversity in terms of who you're investing with. If you then want to start withdrawing your money, you know, within 30 days, you should have all of your one month investments back. So, you know, we think it works well for people who, you know, generally, if you're going to go and buy a property, you've got some reasonable visibility around exactly what the timing is for being able to pay. And so the reinvestment of the principal and interest that gets paid at the end of that month, is that just able to tick over for another month and it's a rolling effect? Is that how that works? Yeah, you can set reinvestment settings. So you can sort of, we've got two different types of investors. Those investors who really like the data, really like the detail, they'll log on every day, get very engaged with the offering. That's I can see you smiling. <laughs> and, and then we've got the other type who just like to set and forget, put on automatic reinvestment settings. They like getting their monthly email. We, we give them an update on their portfolio and um yeah so there's the two extremes we are actually um introducing an app over coming months i think that will really resonate with um investors probably particularly younger investors who are more in the app world and i think that's certainly going to make it a lot easier around having things like alerts when rates move when it might be a good time to invest we have much faster payments going on and off the platform so you can literally move money in and out instantaneously so there's some really good improvements coming down the pipeline nice one there's one area that we've touched on a couple of times, but I wouldn't mind getting a little bit deeper on it because uh, I think Bryce and I both have said that sustainability is going to be the theme of 2020. The the summer that we've been through has really cemented that. But even before, ethical investing has been a, you know, it's been a real big topic in the equity mates community. You've touched a couple of times on the Clean Energy Finance Corporation and renewable energy loans. Can you just expand on that and talk about what you guys are doing in that space and then if you've got any plans to sort of expand it in the future? Sure. No, it's a very exciting part of our business. It's growing strongly. We saw an opportunity a number of years ago to offer loans for people investing in solar panels and and home batteries for the homes. Historically, that finance or those products, if you're buying them, they might be sold as interest-free, but really there was a cost attached to them ordinarily and that the price you might be paying for the goods would be inflated. We wanted to provide something that was very transparent, good value to the customers so that they could see that, you know, what the interest rate was they're actually paying, what the real cost of finance was. So we introduced that offering into market about three years ago. That was very successful. As you mentioned, the CFC sort of cornerstone that. We have grown really strongly since then. We are administering $100 million of subsidies in South Australia into homes to subsidize batteries. And we've got another $100 million funding commitment from the CFC to support that growth in South Australia. That's given us really good relationships with a lot of installation firms, battery manufacturing firms, solar manufacturing firms. So we actually sell through the point of sale finance. So, you know, we don't market that product to people online, but it's really you come through those third party channels. So that's providing a really good investment opportunity for people who want to encourage the adoption of renewable energy products. The CFC cornerstone it, but they really are encouraging of other investors coming on board. So we've got you know, we didn't anticipate so many mum and dad or retail investors would want to invest in this segment. I think the fires have certainly helped that interest. And so we're seeing more and more coming on board, investing alongside the CFC. So we see some great prospects for that growing. There's a lot of other state programs that are expected to launch over coming years. We would hope to have a role in those and give investors access to some other programs across the country. So you could build your fully ethical portfolio. You could have ethical ETFs in for equities. You could have lending to solar panels for your fixed income. Then you could, I don't know, bank, super. bank with yeah, future <laughs> yeah, super. That's right. Find an ethical bank, Bank of, uh, Bank Australia or something. Ethical podcast, equity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. And actually f- mentioning Future Super, they're actually investing into our renewable energy market. Oh. So we do work together. Common views on what we should be trying to achieve there. 
So as well as the ethical side and the, the sort of growing interest in that space, is there anything coming down the pike that you can sort of tease us and our audience with in terms of future plans, uh, new markets that you might be opening up or anything like that that you're excited about for 2020? I think the opportunity ahead of us is really exciting. This month, we'll fund about 70% more in, in loans than what we did this month last year. So there's a really good runway to maintain good growth, we hope, we expect over coming years. Well, this, this podcast will give you another 70% <laughs> yeah, right. just off that. <laughs> yeah. And look, there's, you know, we're obviously expecting that we will attract a lot more investment as we grow the, the lending side of our business. So we're very excited for the future. I think we're actually reasonably diverse in, in the channels we're in in terms of consumer finance. Um, so really, it's just about scaling up and doing more of the same and making sure we're focused on exactly where we're we're growing. And that's a relatively low-risk way for us to grow. It's a relatively low-risk way for our investors to participate. So nothing radical in the next 12 months. I think there's a discipline in, in uh running an entrepreneurial business and ensuring you are focused rather than trying to do too many things. Fair enough. No uh, Elon Musk wild entrepreneurial statements about, you know, going to Mars or anything like that. No, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep our space program for another few years. <laughs> well, Dan, as we started the show, I think hopefully it's become clear that uh, Rate Setter is a, a good alternative to sitting that cash in the bank. I know uh, it, it irks me nothing more than seeing my housemate sitting on the couch and put all his money into <laughs> You the brought bank. your housemate up, I think, three times in this uh, interview. Honestly, because we-, uh, we Are just you going to name and shame him? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I honestly, it, you know, we're at this stage in life where you should really be considering what you do with your money and the environment we're in at the moment. It's frustrating to see him work so hard for it and then get will lose money just by sitting <laughs> it in these institutions. So that's right. One shouldn't really think of a bank account as an investment. It's a it's for convenience. In yeah, this world. yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah he spends it on beers, but um, yeah. <laughs> that's an investment. That's convenient. <laughs> but I think if you are looking for an investment that you know is not uh, you think might be more comfortable than going into stocks or other forms of asset, then rate setter is certainly something to consider given the return that you can get. It's got the provision fund to sort of alleviate that fear of, of risk. And look, they're, they're absolutely growing. So you're in Ren. I am. I'm going in. Are you? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, luckily my return uh, on my bank account is just above inflation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After that spill, you have to go in. <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> So, Dan, we've got some good news. You've got a bit of an offer for our Equity Mates audience, which is fantastic for those that are looking to kick off with you guys. Yes, that's right. We're running a special offer where if one invests $100, you get an extra $20 in your account. You can register at ratesetter.com.au forward slash Equity Mates. And then the good news is we often have other referral programs in place over time. So as you bring more friends on, we will give both you, the referrer, and your friends um, additional bonuses. So there's a good way to get some kickers as you um, build up your Love investment. It. Love a good referral program. So just to confirm, for any equity mates listening that want to get started with Rate Setter, uh, you're offering a hundred dollar investment from them. We'll see you put twenty bucks into their account. That's right. Up till the uh, up till the thirty first of March. Up to the thirty first of March, twenty twenty, and you will find that by going to ratesetter.com.au forward slash equity mates. That's R A T E S E T T E R dot com dot forward slash equity mates. 
And you can do all of that by just investing as little as 10 bucks. You won't get the 20 though if you do that. (laughs) (laughs) But don't let that uh, detract you from starting. That's right. And look, signing up is a pretty quick and easy process, even if one just wants to have a look and understand exactly how the sort of marketplace works, if you like. And that $20 compounded at 7% over 60 years is over $1,000. So, (laughs) very generous. (laughs) Hey, not bad. (laughs) Well, Dan, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate you coming in and sharing what has been a a good growth story for Ratesetter, and we're very much looking forward to see what comes in uh, 2020. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to come back. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.